And we welcome you back to uh, our next installment of the study of the book of Hebrews. We started this one last time, and we looked at chapter 1, and we looked at uh, the case that is being built here by this unknown author. It is a case that is being built for why Jesus is better, okay? That's the theme. Jesus is better. Remember, we're talking to Jewish Christians and urging them, hey, set aside that old law. You don't need that anymore. Here's why this way is better. Here's why Jesus is better. Because it was one thing to accept Christ, but very few people understood, what do I do about that then? You know, what, how does that change me? What is, how does that impact me? Because they had grown up in this culture and in this understanding of God and our relationship with him. And it was like, well, what do we do? And so there had to be an adjustment period. And again, we're in the mid-first century when this is written, when this is distributed. Uh, very likely it was a sermon that was preached that was transcribed from, from um, what someone heard. But the whole theme of it is, hey, Jesus, uh, he changes everything. His fulfillment of the requirements of the law have changed how we're going to go about our life. Okay, So in the first chapter, we see that God used to speak through prophets, used to speak through the law. Now he speaks through his son. Now he speaks through Jesus, and he is better than the angels. And as I pointed out last time, angels were a, a an object of worship among the Jewish people. They worshiped the angels. And, and God gave them Christ, and this author is trying to point out Jesus is more than that. You're not worshiping angels anymore, okay, because Jesus is better than the angels. He is more worthy of your worship, more powerful. Then we noticed he used a lot of Old Testament texts to make that point. Very important. So we're dealing with a speaker or a writer who has great mastery of the Old Testament and of the ancient scripture, and he's using it. Now, I made the point last time, what I, I kind of call it Jesus between the lines or hidden prophecies of the Old Testament, not really hidden at all, but there is a greater degree of appreciation and a greater depth of understanding that comes for the Old Testament once we understand Jesus. And there's a greater understanding and appreciation of Jesus in the New Testament once we know our Old Testament. They go together because they tell a complete story, a, a, a comprehensive account of how God deals with his people. And it's one way in the law for a purpose, and that got them to a point, and then there's Jesus to finish it, to get them to, to where they need to be. Uh, we're going to see that spelled out in Hebrews. We are going to see that spelled out point by point with the angels, with the law, with the sacrifice, with the, the high priest. All of that's going to be spelled out. Why Jesus is better. But we have to understand why we had that in the first place. It wasn't plan A um, in, in, in that it, it didn't work and so Jesus was plan B. It's the only plan there's ever been that God would have his people he would give them a law, they would be human, and they would then see the need, they would understand the need for a Savior, and then along would come Christ. We get the benefit of hindsight to look back at that story and understand we still need a Savior, and it's still Jesus Christ, and he is better than the old law. Um, better because that's how God planned it to be. And so sometimes we're going to see scripture from the Old Testament, and it's telling a story about something that happened, or it's a, a prayer that someone is, is saying. And in the original context, that meant something. In subsequent context, I'll call it the intermediary context, it also had meaning. It was a story people told 
about something Moses did or a story people told about Elijah or it was a prayer that was recited or a song that was sung from the Psalms. Okay, so that's original context, intermediate context, and then I'll call it Christian context where that where what was written comes to fruition. The original author didn't wasn't writing about Jesus, right? Those in the intermediate area weren't singing it because they understood anything about Jesus. But its fullest meaning is brought out in Hebrews and in other books in the New Testament to understand that Jesus was a part of that. So, for instance, when we get to chapter 7, we're talking about Melchizedek. Um, and that may not be a name you've ever heard because it's an Old Testament story. That was an important story because of what happened in the story. In the intermediate context, it was important because it, it conveyed a certain understanding of who this person was, and that was a part of, of their teaching and their understanding was there was this person named Melchizedek, and here's the relationship he had. And then uh, the writer of Hebrews is going to use it to make a point about Jesus. The original, the intermediate, and the Christian context, context I believe, are all valid. But that's the wisdom of God, that something could be written and inspired to be written that was meaningful when it was written. It wasn't some coded language or secret, you know, uh, something mysterious. It, it meant what it meant. And in the intermediate, it was a source of praise or of understanding or something to train the heart. And then it comes to fruition in the Christian age when Jesus gives it meaning. And, it's, and we see that Jesus was in that story all along. We'll talk more about that in chapter 6 and 7, but, but uh, understand that uh, as we read through this, we're going to see a lot of Old Testament language uh, written and used, and it is not uh, being taken out of context. It's being put in a new context. It's being fully understood with Christ now between the lines. So let's look at chapter 2, shall we? For this reason, no, oh, okay, for what reason? Uh, it says, for this reason, I hate chapter breaks sometimes because it interrupts a thought or an argument or a point. Okay, back up then. Chapter 1, verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits? That means the angels sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation. For this reason, because of this, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we will not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. In other words, he's saying we should pay attention to some things. We need to pay attention. Um, they came and they gave warnings and they told of what was to come and they did that so we would listen, so that we would be aware of what was coming our way. They were telling us Jesus was coming. So don't get caught up worshiping the messenger. Worship the son. For he did not subject, this is verse 5, subject the, uh, to angels the world to come concerning which we are speaking. But one has testified somewhere saying, what is man that you remembered him? Or the son of man that you're concerned about him? I'm going to stop there and back up. Let's read that carefully. For he did not subject to angels the world to come. Concerning which we are speaking. What does that mean? It means that angels don't have the opportunity for salvation. The angels are the servants and messengers of God and they dwell with him. Jesus didn't die for them. 
they don't get to accept Christ and be saved. They're already there. Um, what's been prepared for us, both in this world and in the world to come, wasn't made for them. And that could have been a source of jealousy and conflict for one particular angel. And we now refer to him as Satan or Lucifer. But be that as it may, that's the point. This was all for us. God holds us in a high regard. And Jesus, therefore, has an even higher place than the angels because Jesus didn't even die for the angels. He died for us. So let's look at the, the verses that are now being quoted here. Uh, what is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you're concerned about him? You have made him a little, uh, for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and have appointed him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all the things subjected to him. So we have been, yeah, we're human. We're not angels. We're a little lower, but we have something they don't have. And we will have something they won't have, right? So again, watch the argument being made. Jesus is better than the angels, worthy of more worship. And here's why. Because the people Jesus died for, they have the opportunity to inherit something that angels don't have. Okay, let's build on top of that. But we do not, But excuse me, but we do see him who was made for a little while lower than the angels. Okay, humanity lower than the angels because we're human. Jesus is greater, and yet for a little while, Jesus became like us. He became lower than the angels. Namely, Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He suffered what we no longer have to. All right, so here's the case being made. Jesus is greater than the angels, and here's some Old Testament scripture to show that. Uh, he's the son of God, so he's, he's above the angels. Mankind's down here a little bit below the angels, and Jesus is going to come right down to where we are, suffer death on our behalf, and go right back up. And when he does that, he brings us with him, right? We, we become greater as a result. All right. Verse 10, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their sal uh, to, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Uh, perfect or perfect or complete to make whole. That's the idea of the language there. So his death makes us whole, makes us complete, makes our salvation complete, brings it across the finish line. Um, through sufferings. Verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father. For this reason, he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me. So he's taking ancient writings and saying, this is Jesus saying these things. Jesus is saying this. Verse 14, all right, now we get the word therefore, which means we need to think about everything he's just said. That, remember, Jesus here, man here, angels in between, he skips a step, comes to us, brings us up to be with him, right? But Jesus is better than the angels. Here's how we know it, because he did these things. Therefore, since the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same 
and through death he might that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil and might free those through uh, who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives all right so let's okay because of all this therefore since we the children we share in the flesh and blood meaning this may very literally be talking about communion we break bread we commemorate the death we're in Christ that's the point we are in Christ and so those who share in Christ the children he himself likewise also partook of the same he joins with us by being human by being a, a part of this world so that in his death so a piece of God came down to be like a man, which also meant he was subject to torture and death and suffering. But he went through that because his godliness allowed him to overcome death and overcome sin. So it was through his humanity and his divinity that he was able to defeat death. He had to be human to taste death. He had to be God to overcome it. And he was both of those things. And he, so he did it so that he could make death powerless. Because once a human being has overcome death, there's no more death. We cracked the code. We beat it. It's over. Satan's already lost. Okay? And so he freed us from slavery, verse 15. Okay, now look at verse 16. For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham, the Jews, the Israelites, the Hebrews, the audience of this letter. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. All right. There's a lot there. <laughs> those couple of verses, um, verse 17 uh, and 18, are like dense in rich theology. So, the point is being made. Jesus is greater than the angels, right? But now we're getting a bit of an, almost like if you've ever read a scientific journal or research paper, at the, at the beginning there's something called an abstract. The abstract is just a summary of what you're about to read. And then you can get into the details. This is the abstract. Verses 17 and 18 are the abstract of the book of Hebrews. He says, he had to be made like the rest of us. He had to be made like his brethren. So the case is made that Jesus is, is God, He's better than the angels, but then he becomes like a human, and he call and the writer calls them his brethren because he's he's similar to us in flesh and blood. So, because he had to be made like us in order so that he could do these things, okay, in order that he could what become a merciful and faithful high priest. This is previewing some things that are coming in chapters four and five, okay. Merciful because he understands us faithful because he is God, okay? He, he is the son of God. So he's not going to be subject to the failings and shortcomings of human high priests, which we'll talk more about and what that was, but he's also going to be understanding of our humanity because he has experienced it, all right? And the example given in verse 18, he himself was tempted. Okay, so do you see how this argument's being built? Jesus is greater than the angels, mankind lower than the angels. Jesus goes to man, experiences humanity, overcomes death, and draws mankind up to be where he is. And we are made greater than the angels because we have a Savior. They don't. 
And then these two verses, which encapsulate the entire book, it's a pretty good abstract of the whole book, so read it, learn it, and know it, okay? He had to become like us so that he could die like we could die, so that he could overcome death on our behalf, and so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest. He could have all of the, quali the, the best qualities of divinity and the best qualities of humanity into one. See, if, if he wasn't God, he couldn't be raised from the dead. But if he wasn't human, he couldn't be killed. If he wasn't God, he couldn't be our high priest. But if he wasn't human, he couldn't understand us and, and, and who we are from experience. Now, this word here is used, propitiation. That just means a payment for, recompense, paying of a debt, satisfying uh, of something. So he had to uh, be made a propitiation. He was the satisfaction. He was the debt that was paid in death because where there is sin there's often sacrifice when it comes to god and then verse 18 says hey you know the reason he understands us is he suffered temptation he was subject to all the ugly things in this world he was tempted just like we were and so he's able to come to help us do you understand that when we pray we, we often pray through jesus to god that's how our understanding of prayer is we're praying to god but that message is made possible because of Jesus Christ. So when we pray, we're giving our cares, our burdens, our heart, our needs, and our emotions to someone who actually experienced it. Yet he has standing with the Father to go into the throne room and say, it is really hard down there. They need you. Okay? This is, this is great stuff. This is great stuff. So we're going to begin talking about the high priest and the priesthood in chapter 3. And we're just going to require us to do a little background to understand what that was. But we're going to tackle it. And we're going to tackle it together. And I hope you'll join me for that next time.